Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Amen, amen, amen. This is, this is a day that our God has made and we have already been rejoicing in it. This is God's doing and it is marvelous in his sight. I want to say happy Sunday. Good to be with you. Epiphany Brooklyn in the house. To your pastor, your lovely pastor and uh, his lovely wife, your first lady. Say thank you all for allowing us to spend a little time with you this morning. Uh, the hospitality has just been amazing. To the leaders of this church, to those with titles and those without titles, those who are content and bent on in pursuing the vision and the mission that God has specifically placed on this church. To all of you who are present, to the Gathering Church family in Danbury and Bethel, Connecticut, we say what's up, what's, what's good to you all. I am excited to be here this morning. For those of you who are a little less formal, I simply say what's up, what's good. Thank you all for having us this morning. We're really happy uh, to be here. I'm not going to belabor the hour. I do believe that a message doesn't have to necessarily be preached uh, to eternity in order for it to be effective. Uh, and so I, I do believe, right, uh, that uh, there is a saying uh, that blessed are the brief for they might be invited back. And so uh, I'm going to stay within the time that has been allotted to me and perhaps we'll have a little time left over for some extra fellowship. Can I just be honest? I, I, I have been sitting with this message all week long. And on more than a few occasions this week, I have tried to go in another direction. Because in the words of my late South Carolinian grandmother, on my late father's side, baby, Nana's tired. And I became exhausted this week as I watched the events that have transpired in this nation over the last two weeks. As I witnessed a sitting senator belittle and demean black women who are competent and fit to serve on the Supreme Court Justice. I, I as I witnessed a former president demean and belittle African-American prosecutors. I became exhausted as I witnessed another young man lose his life because of a no-knock warrant. I became exhausted this week as I listened to a former coach leverage obvious inequities against the NFL. I became exhausted this week as I watched a public figure have her hand slapped be suspended and given a public timeout. I became exhausted this week as I watched a January 6th debacle being reduced to just a public discourse. I thought about a conversation that I had with my eldest son, our eldest son, Asante. And a few years back, we talked about the social unrest 
and the hypocrisy that has become normalized in our country. And as my eldest son and I were talking, I felt my frustration rising. I felt my angst growing. And in the middle of my angst and in the middle of my, my frustration growing, a second Corinthians and five spirit rose up on me. And I was compelled by love to not be settled with what it is that we're seeing in our nation. And it wasn't an ignorant and impotent or an immature love, but it was instead an intelligent, intentional, and insightful kind of a love. I want us this morning to take a peek at Romans 12, verses 9 and 10. C can I read that for you? It says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Don't just pretend to love others, but really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other without genuine affection and take delight in honoring others. Let, let me pray and uh, let's get some work done. Father, we thank you for the gift this morning that it is to be together. God, we thank you that you have met us in worship through song already. God, I pray now that you would meet us in this moment of preachment. God, would you provide clarity of thought and precision in expression? God, I pray that we would have our consciousness pricked, have our hearts stirred. God, I pray that we would be encouraged, that we would be challenged to be the best version of who you've already created us to be. God, I pray that you would meet us in this space. We commit the remainder of this time in the matchless and magnificent name of our Messiah and our Master Teacher, our Lord and our Liberator, our Rabbi, our Redeemer and our Revolutionary, our Savior and our Sanctifier, our Lord and our Liberator. For those who know that name, simply call them Jesus. And all who said amen, say amen. amen. Growing up, when we started having interests for a boy or a girl, we would write love notes. We would send love letters. We would write a little note. It would go a little something like, I like you. Do you like me? We would write a little note like, I want to be your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Would you be mine? And if we hadn't gained enough courage or we didn't feel confident enough, we would give the note to our friend and our, note, our friend would pass the note along and hopefully we would get the response that we were hoping to get. That kind of love is called puppy love because it is small, it is simple, it is immature. But I've discovered 
at some point, the concept of what love means evolves. Love, like anything else, is expected to mature. The problem we keep having in our society is because our idea of what love is has not matured. And because it has not matured, anything different or unfamiliar is met with a base response. America is still using the standard of measurement from an era of enslavement. It is still using the measurement of love from a Jim Crow period and a Jim Crow junior attitude. It is a love that is inwardly focused, a love driven by fear and unsubstantiated narratives. We love, we need a love that is outwardly focused. In the gathering, we teach that love's direction is always outward. We need a 1 Corinthians kind of a love. A love that is patient and kind, that does not boast, that is not proud, that does not dishonor others, but it is not self-seeking, not easily angered. A love that keeps no record of wrongs. A love that doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. A love, somebody say love, that always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. In this chapter, starting in around verse 1, Paul is building a case for a sacrificial love with God. How to serve others humbly. And then in verse 9, he tells us what love looks like. He tells us what love should look like. He tells us what love must be and what love must do. Can, can I read that one more time? Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. I want to, this morning with the time that is left, I want to share four things from this text that love asks us to do and asks us to be. I want to share four things about what love is asking and requiring with us. Y'all ready? Number one, love is action. The entire thrust of the Bible is to show us how we can and should love God and one another. Romans 5 and 8 says this, but God demonstrates, worship team already helped us with this, his own love towards us. And that while we were still in our stuff, Christ died for us. I'm discovering, brother, you just don't talk love. 
You do love. You don't just think about love. You act on love, my sister. Love is what we do, not just what we say. Don't just tell me you love me. Don't just tell me you're praying for me. Show me that you love me. Cornel West said, never forget that justice is what love looks like in public. That's why I challenge and push pastors and faith leaders to stand up. Because in the words of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., love is the only force capable of transforming lives. Number one, not only is love action, but number two, if you're taking notes, love is genuine. Check out verse nine. In the NLT translation, it says, don't pretend. In the NIV translation, it says, be sincere. In the King James Version, I don't know what that word means, but it says dissimulation. <laughs> Genuine love is not a love that uses other people for its own good. Er, back up, can I give you that one more time? Genuine love is not a love that uses other people for its own good where they can make a profit either financially or even emotionally, and sometimes both. Genuine love cares for the other for the sake of simply caring for them. I hope the people that are present in our life are there because we genuinely care about them and their well-being. I come to discover in my 50 plus years on earth that in a consumerist culture, genuine love is countercultural. In a consumerist kind of economy, genuine love goes against the grain of what many of us have experienced or have been taught how to love. But not only is it love, love is in action, not only is love genuine, but love, catch this, love hates hate is the antonym it is the opposite of love it is on the opposite end of the spectrum love and hate are like oil and water but the text this morning suggests that we ought to be so committed to the power and force of love that we ought to hate what is wrong? Let, let me just say this. There is a difference between wrong and a mistake. A mistake is an error, a blunder. But wrong is something that is immoral or not good. There is a difference between being killed and simply dying. We must hate what is wrong? The repeated mistreatment of the historically underserved and under-resourced is not a mistake. It is simply, come on and help me, wrong. Now, not only is love action, not only is it genuine, not only should we hate love or hate what is wrong, 
But then love honors others. Real love honors others. Philippians 2 and Philippians 2 around verses 3 and 4 says it like this, and I'm paraphrasing. Honoring means showing concern for one another above the circumstances and above yourself. It is demonstrating care for others without counting the cost to yourself. Love honors others. Wendy McDonald said in that blog, or in her blog, that love hovers over the dining room of our lives like a chandelier, except the light is powered by God. Marilyn Robinson said, at the root of real honor is always a sense of the sacredness of the person who is the object of that love. I am discovering as I rush and jettison to my seat, I am discovering in real time that the strength to love is uncomfortable but necessary. I'm discovering that love is an incalculable force that can't be solved by a simple solution. It is a distance that cannot be measured and a speed that cannot be clocked. I didn't know Jacob Blake, but I know that his life could have been saved. I didn't know Trayvon Martin and Mike Brown, but I know love could have saved them. Love could have saved Freddie Gray, Rayshard Brooks, and Breonna Taylor. Love could have saved Ahmaud Arbery, Tatiana Jefferson. I didn't know George Floyd, but, 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 but love could have saved George Floyd, Ashley Babbitt, Amir Locke. I didn't know them, but love could have saved them. I'm out of your way this morning. I still got some time left on the clock. But in 1976, Stevie Wonder, that soulful prophet, said so beautifully that love's in need. So send it right away. Hate is going round, round and around. So God, why don't you send your love and send it right away because love is in need. I'm out of here this morning, but I want to challenge us this morning. I want to push us to not just worship Jesus, but work with Jesus. Not just look at the nails in his hand, but leverage our own hands. Not just look at the nails that pierced his feet but begin to use our own feet. Can I say this to you as I exit gracefully as I possibly can? Because God is, we are. And because Jesus did, you and I can. Thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph let me pray father we thank you this morning for the gift 
of conversation. We thank you this morning for the opportunity to speak in love language. God, we thank you that your word is true. God, I do pray that we would not only hear your word, but we would become doers. God, I pray this morning that we would take serious the opportunity to get involved this morning. I pray that we would remove ourselves from the sidelines of life and that we would invest ourselves in an intimate way in the expressions of faith that calls us to be a part of change and transformation. God, I pray now that you would speak to each of us in a unique and profound way. And God, I pray that as we hear your voice, we would have the audacity and the boldness to step out on what it is we believe we heard you say. God, I pray this morning that when people run into contact with us, that they would recognize that there's something different even if they cannot interpret it. God, I pray that your love would be obvious and evident in our lives. And God, I pray that those who enter our space would walk away knowing that they've experienced the power and the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, I pray this week that you would bless us, that you would touch us, that you would order our steps. God, would you bless the things that our hands shall touch and the places where our feet shall walk. God, I pray that you would provide clarity in our lives. Remind us even today of how much you love us and how much you care for us. God, your word says that you are love. You are that force that created all that is. And so we submit our will to yours this morning in the mighty and magnificent and matchless name of our Lord and our liberator, our savior and our sanctifier, Jesus the Christ. And all who loved him said amen, amen, amen. and amen. Be blessed.